0: What's important to the fleet? Have you asked yourself that question today? Well, on today's Airwaves, we're gonna meet a team that makes a habit of asking that question every single day. They're living NAVAIR's core values, using data and partnerships to understand what our sailors and Marines really need. I'm your host, Michael Lauren Prue, and we're continuing our series on behaviors for a winning culture. PMA-299, the Multi-Mission H-60 Helicopters Program Office, achieved their readiness goals ahead of schedule, resulting in significant improvements in readiness and affordability. Joining us to share where the program is today and where it will be in the future from an affordability and availability perspective is PMA-299 Program Manager, Captain Todd Evans. We also have Product Support Manager, Troy Seifert, Lieutenant Commander, Ryan Kabeski, the Assistant Program Manager for Logistics, and readiness cell lead, Lieutenant Michael Haber. Thank you all for joining us today. Captain Evans, describe the culture of PMA 299 and tell me about the teams who support H60.
1: PMA 299 is really a small family. If you look at the folks that are there, they've probably been there before. It's a diverse background of operators in the H60, maintainers in the H60, or people that have kids that fly H60s now. It's a team that fosters a culture of supporting the fleet to a man and woman on the flight line. The focus in the office is really about two groups of people, third-class petty officer on a cold day like today with hands so cold they can't even move them. And did we give them enough tools and training to get that aircraft daily and turn around and ready for the flight schedule? And two lieutenants and an AW2 that are going to fly off a ship deck at night to go out and accomplish their mission over the horizon? Did we give them everything they need to safely accomplish that mission and get back to their families? It's a team that focuses on safety of the aircraft, readiness of the aircraft, and capability of the aircraft ultimately.
0: So it sounds like the H-60 family has a very strong connection to the why behind what we do. Captain Evans, how did you establish a winning culture focused on delivering the capability the fleet needs at a cost we can afford?
1: The goal was a focus on the people and the relationships. If you think of the fleet, it's a nameless, faceless organization out there. And unless you've actually been there and seen those kids out there on the flight line, you don't necessarily have a perspective that you need. And so it was really, bring the fleet to the program office so that they can see why they do what they do.
0: Absolutely, and I think that goes a long way to really getting to know the customer. Lieutenant Kabeski, how did the culture and fleet relationships help you achieve readiness goals?
2: So as Captain mentioned, we are a family and, and we do take care of business. Well, taking care of that business and achieving our readiness goals, we don't do that in a stovepipe or from a cubicle. We do it together. We have numerous ongoing efforts that enable us to achieve our readiness goals, all while learning how we can improve support for our TMS. Specifically, the RCB, daily mock calls, and the NSS HUD are larger contributors to attaining and maintaining our readiness. Each one of those allows us to engage with the fleet, enables us to remove barriers, and work together to significantly increase cost-wise readiness that we're able to provide to the fleet.
0: Troy, who did you partner with and what was their role?
3: So, great question. As the captain alluded to earlier, we're a small family, but when you further articulate that out into who we partner with, it it becomes more of a small town, right? So the small town perspective. The fleet, the lieutenant, and the third class petty officer, the TMS teams, the Wings, the Commodores, obviously you know, getting in line, making sure that we understand their requirement. Our fleet support team is second to none and arguably the best in the business. Original equipment manufacturer, the OEM, we have a great relationship in partnership with the OEM and s- suppliers, uh, which rolls right into NAVSUP our IWIST that supports us for parts and ABDLRs. Defense Logistics Agency on our consumable contracts and, and support for uh, consumable materials. Further extending our our fleet support team to crane, for instance, that that supports mission systems. Corona for our calibration requirements, many entities, into this small town approach. One element that I didn't mention is very powerful for us is our readiness cell in the program office. They do a lot of heavy lifting and make sure that we do have those data-driven decisions or have the data available to make those decisions.
4: Speaking for the readiness cell, I think it's two parts of our job. One is to analyze the data that's out there and go through the dashboards that are available to us but the second part I think the captain was talking was not only capturing that data, but applying that and creating influence in the fleet.
0: Troy, how did you use the data to make decisions and drive down cost?
4: So
3: we use fleet demands. We use maintenance man hours expended so we understand where, where the efforts, where, where the heavy lifting is going on out there in a the fleet so we can understand what that is to help improve reliability for the flight line and focus on those specific projects that we can bring into the reliability control boards and do data analysis and make smart decisions based on that to support the fleet to keep components on the wing longer. Let the data drive you, be innovative, be bold, and do not be afraid to think out of the box. Understanding lessons learned and share those lessons learned with the team at large.
0: So the data not only identifies the fleet need, but also the best approach to a solution. Troy, how are you measuring outcomes and how did you identify what to measure?
3: The bottom line is to understand what your customer needs and to make sure that we are successfully measuring those metrics, measuring those requirements to make sure that we are meeting a benchmark. Moreover, not just the uh, the fleet, but also those external or additional customers that are out there, for instance, NAFSA, DLA, we work for everybody. So that is how we approach a, uh, a challenge. It's, it's how we can measure ourselves is to understand what these metrics are, what the importance is to the customer, and to make sure that we put those important metrics in place and measure them for success.
0: We've talked about the importance of collaboration between the program, the fleet, and industry. Lieutenant Haber, how essential is good communication across stakeholders?
4: The open communication that we have across the community is probably one of our strongest assets right now. Since checking into the readiness cell, the amount of meetings that we host or are part of here at NAVAIR, whether it be supply-related or maintenance-specific, but it puts us in a conversation where the key stakeholders from all over the community are listening to each other's problems. So how they dealt with it or how they tackle them or remove some of those barriers, that's communicated through these conversations. And a lot of times NAVAIR is kind of the hub where they'll contact us and said, hey, we've dealt with this before. Is this something we can incorporate in another site? And a lot of times, yes. So.
0: Troy, earlier you said that teams should be bold, innovative, and think out of the box. Why should leadership encourage these behaviors? And for PMA 299, how did leadership realign the workforce to achieve better results?
3: So from the program office, there there are many vantage points where you contribute to to the ultimate goal of supporting the fleet. Clearly communicate program priorities based on fleet requirements. Uh, Ensure everyone is aligned to those priorities and empower the team. Support the team, ensure that leadership understands what those potential risks are and what those barriers may be. Work to remove the barriers so that the team can effectively and efficiently accomplish supporting goals. Know your team, know their strengths, know their weaknesses. Exploit strengths and understand weaknesses to accommodate success accomplishing the goal.
1: I think the biggest change that we've had in the office over the last couple of years is the alignment of the FMS case managers and the FMS teams to the domestic teams. We're supporting 528 aircraft across the fleet, but we also have 13 FMS customers that are doing the same work. And so to get everybody together so that we are not duplicating those efforts and supporting sailors and and aviators, regardless of what uniform they're wearing is critical.
0: Captain Evans, what were the most important behaviors that contributed to your team's success? What enabled you to move fast, meet readiness goals, and lower cost?
1: I think the behaviors are trust in the organization, trust in each other. I think empowerment certainly helps. If you have a team where everyone thinks that their piece is critical to the success of it and they own it, That will certainly bring success to the the community writ large. One of the other things that we at times struggle with is the availability of the data and sharing of information. The last thing I wanna do is interrupt somebody from doing the work that they need to do, whether it's a tech eval or writing a statement of work, to status my boss or status a brief. And so trying to get everybody to put the information, whether that's PMT data on contracts or spend plan data into the tool so that you don't have to ask anybody for it. You can follow along what the teams are doing, like footprints in the snow, and you don't ever have to bother them. That is really the focus of where we're headed.
2: I'll just add to that as well. I think from my perspective, stronger relationships and trust equates to shared ownership and teamwork towards understanding and achieving common goals and direct support of efforts for our fleet. We were able to break down existing barriers through transparency as mentioned before, refocus the culture and raise issues quickly in order to help not only PMA 299 but the NAE writ large. I feel like the program office can be a sounding board for a lot of the issues that's going on in the
4: fleet. So for them reaching out to us and kind of running things and knowing that they have the uh, subject matter experts and the analysts within the the NAVAIR to kind of look at these problems and say, yep, we agree with that, or maybe I would try that. Or even plugging them into other entities that can can answer those questions for them.
0: Certainly a lot of great things going on in the H-60 program office. Captain Evans, how have you recognized and reinforced these behaviors with your teams?
1: I think communicating, showing the results, letting the team here at Pax River hear from the fleet has been extremely valuable. I've had Commodores come through and they just wanna meet the team, put names to faces together. Hopefully the team knows and understands that the leadership in the office supports them, supports their decision, certainly trust everyone on there and trying to communicate that.
0: So what advice would you give to teams facing similar challenges or opportunities?
1: Trust your teams, don't be afraid to fail, encourage each other, there are great teams everywhere across NAVAIR. We just have to trust them.
3: Just to further the point to what the captain was saying, communicate with stakeholders, challenge the status quo. I mentioned earlier, be bold and don't be afraid to fail, which is what the captain had just said. That's one thing that we have to understand is if we're going to be worried about failing, then we're not going to challenge the status quo, right? We're going to just fall in line with everything else. So don't be afraid to fail. If you make the mistakes, document it. Make sure you understand it, share it with the team so we don't make the same mistakes again. It's a
4: lesson learned
3: and we move forward from there.
0: Why are you really proud of this effort?
4: So what makes us proud is here in the building, the decisions we make, they influence the fleet. The communication we have with the stakeholders lead to actual results. So we talked earlier about cost savings and things like that. So the readiness cell specifically, we are able to listen to some of these challenges and some of these specific components. And we hear it and like, hey, that doesn't sound right. So we go back, we look at some of these analytics, and then we find things that we need to implement, say, hey, this is wrong. So we have an open communication with the wings and we can say, hey, look at this. Or we talk to ComFRC and say, hey, this code doesn't look right. And since I've been here, I've seen them take that code, say, yeah, you're absolutely right. This should be changed. And that change results in more repairs in the fleet and less BCMs, which costs us a lot more money. So to be at this level at the program office and provide actual influence in the fleet is really powerful for us.
1: I think what makes me proud is looking at the metrics, right? We're tracking cost per hour and how much this business costs and, and readiness. But I get to see the sausage being made every day, and there are wins across this team every single day, and it is extraordinarily humbling to be a part of this team. You have a team that comes to work every day that wants to do the right thing and will turn themselves inside out to do the right thing, and that is an amazing feeling to be a part of.
3: I think what makes me proud is those bottom line goals, right? The mission capability, the full mission capability. When we're attaining that and sustaining that, it's a very heavy lift to achieve those goals, especially in today's fiscal environment. So we have to do it smartly, we have to do it efficiently, but the bottom line is you look out across the the readiness and the, the spectrum overall, And I'll say I am very proud that we are achieving those MC goals and we are one aircraft away from full mission capable on Sierras and we'll have MC and FMC goals
1: attained.
0: So in addition to coming on today's podcast how have you shared these wins with other program offices?
1: I think one phrase comes to mind it's radical transparency. All of our data is available, all of our tools are available, If the readiness cell creates a dashboard that benefits them, they will pre-build that so that any TMS can use it. So I think the lessons learned across PBL are certainly shared across PEOA, but I don't think we have ever turned anybody down to look at what we're doing and share in
2: what we're doing. Just to pile on to what uh, Captain said, when we are sharing wins and creating dashboards, we're not only focused on you know how we can improve readiness and support the, our fleet, but also the NAE as a whole. So some of the benefits that we've provided to the NAE as a whole is through enabling the behaviors mentioned earlier and utilizing our world-class partnerships. And an example of that would be a recent NAMP change that our readiness cell team championed, which was submitted and incorporated in the latest version of the 4790. This NAMP change activated the option to use EOC code A for outer reporting SEER accrual time. Now, what does that mean? Without getting into the weeds, this change allows a squadron, for example, to eliminate outer reporting SEER accrual time and will more accurately capture the true impact to flight line degraders.
0: So looking at the future, how will the team sustain and build on these successes?
2: So great question, and that is
3: really the pinnacle of how we move forward, right? How, how do we sustain into the future? We'll sustain these by continuing to understand and make sure that we clearly articulate the fleet requirement. That's first and foremost important. Building those relationships, making sure that we have that trust. I feel that we've said that word several times today, but it, it's critical. Uh, effective communication and making sure that we share those lessons learned to allow the teams to understand what ground has been covered, what was successful, what, what was not successful, and to make sure that we let the, the data drive those decisions. And just a couple other points, written instruction. A lot of times you have a teammate that might be down for something or on travel, and so we gotta continue the mission. And we do that through written instructions. We do that through playbooks that we have established. To make sure that we're not missing a beat, even though that person may not be in the seat, we can go back or fall to the the next man up, if you will, right, to continue to accomplish the mission?
1: I would go on to say, you know, what I will do in my last year here is continue to ensure people stay curious about what's in the data, provide support for them and let them do their jobs, share the wins that we have with the whole team, and continue to build on the basics.
0: Sir, as we wrap today, what advice would you give to fellow program managers on motivating positive behaviors and outcomes that matter to the fleet?
1: Remember and remind our workforce and our teams why we're here every day. It's for the sailors, and it's got to be specific. It can't just be the fleet. It's got to be names and faces, and if that means pictures or getting folks here or taking people to the squadrons and seeing their work is truly important.
0: It's all about putting the fleet first. Thank you all for joining us today to share successful behaviors of a winning culture. I loved hearing how data-driven results, strong partnerships and effective communication and collaboration helped PMA 299 achieve readiness goals. If you'd like to hear more about our game-changing teams around the command, check out the NAVAIR Airwaves podcast on all your favorite listening apps. And that's it for this edition of Airwaves. Thanks for listening.